Let me give you a, a little recap on this book. By the way, we are offering this book in the fellowship hall by the refreshment table, five to ten dollars. That's a deal. This book is going to stretch you. I'm really excited about this series. Let me explain the main idea in case you missed last week. So it's written by David Platt. I've described him as the Caucasian twin brother of Francis Chan. Francis, the better speaker. David Platt, the better writer. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say stuff like that, but I think it's true. Anyways, uh, this is where he's going with this book. He's saying that there's the American dream, and then there's the kingdom of God. And they got all these areas where they clash. Now, instead of just going with the flow, he's saying, stop, stop, hold up. Let's think about this. Let's highlight these values where they're clashing. And there is an invitation for us to live biblically. But it's not saying, hey, be radical for the sake of being radical. That's not the main idea of the book. The idea is that if you truly, in these areas that are defined, choose to live biblically, you will wind up, at least contrasted to the American landscape, you will wind up looking pretty radical. And people will take notice because you're going to be very different, and they might even ask you, what makes you so different? So that's the main idea of the book. We're offering it in the, in the, uh, the Fellowship Hall. This has been a really good, stretching, powerful, stimulating read recommended to all of you. Okay? So what we're going to do first is we are going to watch a video, and um, it's going to be a fun one. So go ahead and take a look. The Monkey Business Illusion Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. The correct answer is 16 passes. Did you spot the gorilla? For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half miss the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. <laughs> and that's the monkey business illusion. Learn more about this illusion and the original gorilla experiment at theinvisiblegorilla.com. Okay, that was the video. Now, can we have like a moment of honesty? How many of you were like, what gorilla? Now, raise your hands. You're like, I didn't even see the gorilla. Okay, yeah, that's about, about half. You know, it's funny because they were saying, did you see the curtains change color or the, the, one of the black team members leave? And you're like, I didn't even see the gorilla. Did you, did you see that it stopped and actually beat, it beat its chest? Like when you're looking for it, it's pretty obvious. So this is a really fun video, and I, I think one of the points of this video is that the human mind kind of sees what it's looking for. That we kind of see, we have this propensity in our minds to see what we want to see, and there can be really obvious things like this big, hairy gorilla in the middle of everything beating its chest, and you could just totally not even notice it. Is that true? 
Yeah, I, 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 I did not see the gorilla. I did not see the gorilla, you know. I didn't see the current. I, I didn't even get the 16 passes, to be honest with you. Now, if this is true, like, and there'd be something really obvious right in front of us, and we don't even see it. Do you think this is true in the Bible? When we read the Bible, or how we read the Bible, do you think that's true? And you guys say, probably true. Now, let me be a little bit more specific, okay? Do you think it's true that there might be an invisible gorilla, Harry, beating its chest when we talk about the Great Commission? You guys remember the Great Commission, right? <laughs> right? It's somewhere in the book of Matthew, right? Could it be that standing on this Bible in the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter 28, there is this big gorilla going like this, and we're like, what? I don't even see it. I don't even see it, you know? You think that's possible? I, I'm willing to bet you $1 that, it is, it, that there is a big gorilla on the Great Commission. Who, who would take me up on that bet? Anyone? No one? I don't believe you. My mom would take me on that bet. Anyone else? I think there's a big hairy gorilla there. Now, it, it wouldn't be the most likely place, right? Because you're, you're thinking, what other scripture gets more play than the Great Commission? I've heard that like 10,000 times, right? It's right there next to John 3, 16. It gets so much love and so much play in the churches. How could we possibly have overlooked something I'm convinced that we've overlooked something. So, so if you don't believe me, and maybe you would make like a silent $1 bet with me, let's go to the Great Commission and find out, okay? Here is the Great Commission, okay? Go, therefore, and make disciples. Where have you heard that term, make disciples? Oh, my goodness, it's right there in our mission statement. Did we neglect that? I don't think we neglected that. We talk about it. We, we tried our best to do it. We are trying to be in the business of making disciples, and you guys are supposed to say Amen. Okay, well, then the rest is a description of how you make disciples. Well, just how do you make disciples? Well, number one is, it starts with a B, it's right there, it's baptism. Uh, we try to baptize people every year. We, we teach it, we talk about it, we believe in it, we do it. That's, I don't think we're neglecting that one. Okay, what about the next one? Two ways to make disciples. One is baptizing, and the other one is Teaching. Teaching what? Teaching all that Jesus has commanded. Well, what are we doing right now? What are we doing in our home groups? What are we, doing? What are we trying to, to encourage you guys to do on your own? I, I don't think we're neglecting that. So we got making disciples. We got baptizing. We got teaching. You're like, dude, we're covered. All bases covered. Andrew, you owe me a dollar. Right? Right? Everyone with me so far? Ah. But I think we skipped over something. What did we skip over? I bet you there's a hairy gorilla right there going, right there, and maybe you do not see it. Three words. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. I, I was reading the radical book, and he was talking about of all nations, and it was connected to the Great Commission. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, Hold it, is that, is that really there? <laughs> no, I've, I've actually heard it 10,000 times. Like, what, all nations is really there in the Great Commission? I had forgotten it was there. So I actually was going through my Bible, looking at the Gospel of Matthew, going, is that really there? And I was a little bit shocked, like, make disciples of all nations. Like, whoa, it was right 
there. I didn't know it was there. Wow, it's there of all nations. Now, we're people who take the Great Commission pretty seriously, right? I mean, when we talk about go and make disciples, I think everyone here is like, yeah, that applies to all of us. That applies to all of us. Baptizing, that, that, that applies to all of us. Teaching, that applies to all of us. But when we go of all nations, what do we do? We go, oh, you know, that one I think we're going to outsource. <laughs> that one I think we can outsource. Get someone else to do it. Get the professionals on that one, right? But we'll do all the rest except for this one. Let me ask you, when you read that, what is the simplest, clearest interpretation of those verses? I know you, you've heard it a lot, right? But what is the simplest, clearest interpretation of those verses? It seems to me that the clearest interpretation is that God has called us to go and make disciples of all nations. No, but the go, you look at that in the, in the Greek, it actually means as you go. So as you go to the grocery store. No, it seems to me that the simplest, clearest explanation is God wants us to go to all nations. Now, I just want you, maybe you're looking at it with new eyes. I just want you to think about that for a second. That's a penny drop. God wants you to go to all nations. That penny dropping? Are some eyes getting wider? What do you make of all this? God has called us to go. Now, I I, want to be totally honest with you guys. I actually feel like I've been reading this book, actually chapter 4, and it was kind of blowing my mind. So I'm I'm calling like this home group leader. I'm like, hey, can we talk about chapter 4? And this person's like, I haven't read chapter four. Read chapter four. We got to talk about it. And I'm calling Pastor Calvin. Let's talk about chapter four. I need to like process this because this is some heavy stuff. I'm seeing this with new eyes. I just always thought that that's something you outsource. Leave it to the missionaries. But can it be that God is actually calling every believer here to go to all nations? Because that seems to be the clearest read on those verses. Can it be that God is giving me a mid-course correction? Can it be that God might be giving all of us a mid-course correction? Now, what would happen, I'm asking you, if our, we were going a certain way and it was like false thinking on the Great Commission and God did not give us a mid-course correction? What's at stake? You ever ask that question? You ever think about that? What's at stake? Could it be that the game changer in our spiritual lives is actually taking the Great Commission seriously? Can it be that God actually wants to give all of us mission and purpose and joy and this unbelievable excitement because we're taking his great commission seriously, but because we are outsourcing it and leaving it to the experts and not really engaged, our Christian life becomes boring. It's lacking joy. It's lacking dynamicism. Could that be possible? You guys, I've gone on mission trips. I try to go every year. It's not necessarily in my job description, but, but I try to go every year. 
and maybe if you've gone with me and we're in the debriefing time, I'm always saying something like, you guys, that had to be like the best week of my life. And I feel a little bad about that because I keep on saying this every year. Like, guys, that had to be like the best week of my life. And I always give this qualifier with the exception of my honeymoon, right? And the week that I was first saved and my kids. But it had to be like the best week of my life. I was so excited. I came back. I was on fire I was excited about my faith. The team really bonded. There were friendships. We did something. We had these amazing God stories. There's joy. There's excitement. What if that was the norm that God wanted for all of us? But because we've neglected that, we don't have joy. We don't have excitement. We're missing something. Wow, the Christian life is kind of boring. I don't think it was actually meant to be boring. I think there is a global mission that God wants every single person in this church on fire for, and we're missing it. No wonder we're bored and falling asleep. Can it be that when God has called us to go to all nations, what he meant by that was go to all nations? Oh, really? No. Outsource? No. Can it be that he's calling everyone here to go to all nations. Now, uh, uh, look in your bulletin, whip out your outline. I want to do a little bit of fill in the blank. Okay? Go to your bulletin, whip out your outline. We're going to do a little bit of fill in the blank. I want to tell you where we're going today. God has called you to enjoy his grace. Can I get an amen from that? We need to get more of that enjoying and more of that grace in our lives. Okay, and that is totally true. We're not taking anything away from that, but there's an and. There's a second part. There's a part two. And to extend his glory to the ends of the earth. How's that for a summary of our lives? We're to do two things. Enjoy his grace and extend his glory. If you're going to be busy about any two things in this life, let it be enjoying his grace and extending his glory. In fact, why don't you guys say that with me so it never leaves. Enjoy his grace and extend his glory. Okay, now there's another fill in the blank, which is God has called you to go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. This is where we're going. Now, now listen, this is one of our biggest points for today, which is this second goal of extending his glory is all through the Bible. I actually am saying that it is this big, hairy gorilla beating its chest in all the scripture, and somehow it's possible to go through the scripture because we're not looking for that. We don't see it. And what I want to do now is actually show it, but we're just going to go through a little because we don't have like four hours together, okay? Let's actually go to the beginning. Let's go to Genesis, okay? Genesis. Now, these are stories that we know, but we're going to see them from a new light. You have Adam, and you have Eve, and God created them. He, he breathed life into them, right? Why were they first created? They were first created to enjoy his grace. In the cool of the day, God was going into the garden. Why? To be with them, to enjoy them, to be enjoyed by them. It's undeniable that God has created us to enjoy his grace, to enjoy his fellowship. But there's another part, and there's another purpose, You remember in these chapters, God says, subdue the earth and fill it. Subdue the earth and fill it. Why why fill it? Why does God want to fill it? Well, Adam and Eve were image bearers of God. So they were bringing the glory of God wherever they were in the garden. Now, if you fill the entire earth, what are you doing? You are filling the entire earth with what? The glory of God. 
right there on day one, when they were created, they were called to go and extend his glory alongside enjoying his grace. Let's keep on going. Abraham. Let's talk about Abraham. When Abraham is first called to go, we've heard the story about his blessings. It's fivefold. There's five blessings in that passage when Abraham is called. We've heard these stories before. Abraham was first called to receive a blessing. What is that? Enjoy his grace. Remember, God said, I will make you into a great nation and I will make your name great. Those are blessings for Abraham. Why? God loves Abraham. But there are two words. So that. So that what? So that you can be a blessing. Abraham was called to be a blessing. He said, and you will be a blessing so that you can be a blessing. All families on earth will be blessed through you. But it's connected by so that. And what that means is part one is going to be established so that part two can be established. Part one is moving to part two, right? So that you're going to be, you're going to be blessed so you can be a blessing. What is that? Basically, it's enjoy his grace and extend his glory. It's all over the scripture, guys. I'll give you another one, okay? This one's for free. How many of you guys know the story in Daniel? Daniel's three friends. Name those names to me. They are Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego. <laughs> you saw the VeggieTales version of that, huh? Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego. You know, my, my Old Testament professor told me, when you see them in heaven, do not call them by those names. They will, like, pick up food and throw it at you. Uh, apparently, those were the names given to them by their oppressors. They were, they were being force-fed this system of values that they didn't agree with, and I'm sure they didn't like the names. Don't call them those names, but that's not my point. My point is you know the story of the fiery furnace, right? You know the story. You've heard it in Sunday school. So uh, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this gold statue. Everyone in the land is to bow down. That was the decree. But there were three who were unwilling to. I bet Daniel was also unwilling to if he was there. And the three were Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego. Do you guys know their real names in Hebrew? Good. You can go find it in the scriptures. One is Hananiah and one is Azariah. The, uh, Mishael. There it is. Okay. So those are the three names. They refused to bow down to the gold statue. And what did King Nebuchadnezzar do? He threw them in the fiery furnace. But not a single hair of their head was singed. And there was a fourth one who looked like a son of God. You guys remember the story, right? And they come out, and it is mind-blowing, and it's amazing. And in Sunday school, that's where we stop the story. We go, hey, story's done. What do we learn? God loves his people, and he rescues them. Woohoo! And we're giving each other five. Yeah, God. But the story doesn't end there, does it? What happens next? King Nebuchadnezzar is blown away by this. He's blown away by this. So what does he do? He issues this decree across the entire nation. Now, this is a dude who has conquered all these nations. All these nations are under his control. So he issues this decree to all nations. Well, that sounds familiar. To all nations. And what does he say? Praise be to the God of Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego. And then he tells a story of what happened. He is blown away. And then he ends the story by saying, no other God can save like this. Okay, now let's ask the question. 
Why did God save Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Why? Well, because he loves them, right? And God was changing the heart of this former pagan king so that he can worship the one true God and let all nations know and extend God's glory. It's right there in that story too. It's there in Psalms. It's there in the prophets. And then you go to the New Testament. Clearly God is extending his glory in the New Testament. And then it's all through church history. It's like, how did we not know that this is where God's going? And this is so important to God's heart. How did we not know? How did we not know? I I need a volunteer. Um, I, I have a bag of chocolate. And I need a volunteer. Can I, can I get someone to volunteer someone else if they don't want to be chosen? Can, can, we, can we nominate someone here? I need a volunteer. Someone's pointing to Bruce. I pick on Bruce a lot. I love picking on Bruce. I'd be happy to pick on Bruce, but can we nominate someone else here? Some, Chris. 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 Yes. Chris. He said yes. Okay, could you stand up, please? Actually, no, no, no. Why don't you sit down? I'll stand up. Okay, I'm going to make this really easy for you. Chris, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put these headphones on, okay? I want you to put on these headphones. All right. Can you hear me? Okay. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to this song, and I want you to tell me how often you hear two words, okay? Love or anything that rhymes with true. Can you repeat that for me? Love or anything that rhymes with true. Okay, okay. I want you to count how many times. You got to focus on this one because a lot of words rhyme with true. Okay. Ready? Go. This is one of my favorite songs. He's right now listening to Lifehouse Hanging by a Moment. You guys know that song? No? You guys don't know that song? He's enjoying this song right now. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it up just in case. Are we good? Okay, okay. All right, now as he's focusing... Now I'm going to tell you what I'm really trying to do, okay? What I'm really trying to do is I want to give some chocolate love to the entire congregation. But if you look at the people in the back rows, they are there because they have like maybe a small kid or they came late or maybe they're just kind of feeling introverted and my my heart goes out to them. So I want them all to get some chocolate candied love. And I have chosen Chris. And I'm going to give him all this candy, and I want him to go, and maybe even to the balconies, and just give chocolate candied love, okay? Because it's coming from my heart. As a pastor, I want everyone to know that we love them. You guys got it? And Chris, are you listening? Okay. All right, Chris. Chris, how many times did you hear um, uh, uh, love? Oh, we can hear it. Three times. How many times did you hear a word that rhymes with true? Wow, five times actually, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Great. What I want to do is, did you get some candy yesterday? No. Chris? Okay, I would love to share with you. I want to see you get a lot of candy. I want to see you be happy to your heart's content. So here I am. I'm going to give you one of the biggest here. Here's an M. You like M&Ms? I want you to rip them open and start stuffing them in your mouth. Go for it. I want you to enjoy. <laughs> enjoy, man. Your kids left you out. I was going to do that to you today. I want you to enjoy. Yes. Put them in. Yes. Crunch it down. Awesome. I want you to have more. Do you want more? 
Okay, here's, here's some more. Here's some more. Here's more. And actually, I'm going to give you the whole bag, and then I want you to do it. Okay? Go. Woo! Come on. Let's encourage him. Yes. Yes. Come on, Chris. Do it. Do it. Let's get it done. Let's go. You want to eat more? You want more candy? You want milk? You want a massage? Okay. Now, I realize this is grossly unfair, right? You're like, this is not fair. But, but listen, he's eating all the candy. What if, what if Chris was right here, and for the next 30 minutes, he just devoured all the candy, and then he turned to me and said, can I have some milk? What would I say? I would say, man, you're like my kids, you know? The day after Halloween, they're hoarding their candy into the one to share. Come on, share, right? I would be like, come on. But you're like, that is not fair, Pastor Andrew. Because you put those, those, those headphones on his head. He didn't know that the mission was to share with everyone else behind the great wall. He didn't know. I'm like, you're right. What if I said it clearly to him? What if I said, go, therefore, and share that candy to the ends of the sanctuary? <laughs> then would that be fair for me to expect him to go. What do we have in the Great Commission? What is the clearest explanation of the Great Commission? Go make disciples of all nations. Don't outsource this. This means you actively engaging. Right. Am I right? Can God hold us responsible? Because he made it so clear. Actually, Chris, could you actually go in and give candy out to uh, behind the great wall and just let him? Would you extend my glory? <laughs> would you do that? Would you do that? Thank you, Chris. Chris. And that's, yes, thank you, Chris. You're a good sport. Hey, 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 hey. I worked hard for those, man. My kids worked hard for those, actually. I'm giving away their candy. That's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. No, no, no. They were good with it. They chose 25. I got the rest. But here's the point. Here's the point. Don't be a greedy kid hoarding your Halloween candy. That is the point, right? That is the point. No, look, this is straight from the heart of God. God gives us his son, Jesus, who dies on a cross. Why? Because all of humankind has sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Stand condemned before God. And so there's no way God makes a way through the sacrifice of his son to bring his children home. That's the message. And God's heart is, I want to give it to all those people who have never heard it. Countries where we do not have the opportunities that we have here. How is this fair? And God, his heart is going there and he wants us to go there too. Now, I don't want you guys to leave this room today, and I don't want you guys to feel like, you know something, I already have this, all these things on my to-do list. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. You're putting something really big on there. It's not like I'm busy enough. I actually want to repackage this in a biblical way. This call to go and extend his glory is not just obedience, although it is obedience. This call to extend his glory is a joy and excitement. 
you go and you obey, and you're going to get so much more having gone and obeyed, so much life, so much community. You will be rich as you obey the Lord Jesus who commands us to go. Now, we're going to have a testimony soon of our very own Johnny, who went to uh, China in September with a team from Christian Layman Church. And let me say this, uh, Sylvia and Yan were leading that team. When they were putting that together in China, right in the busy season of September, my first response was like, no way. That's going to happen. Because, you know, September is huge and it's busy and schedules. They pulled it off. It was amazing. Amazing. I mean, that was showing me God is in the business of doing the impossible to those people who can believe that he can. And he did. Now, Johnny, come up here. We want to hear from you. Let's give Johnny a warm hand of welcome. Johnny, among other things, actually gave uh, a little instruction wheelchair speech in front of, like, uh, more than 100 people. Uh, a lot of them were handicapped, and he was actually busting out his zhongwenhua. Yeah, he speaks really fluent Chinese, just like I just did a second ago, you know? Um, okay, Johnny, it's all yours. Tell us about your trip. Okay. So um, a couple years ago, I read the same book, Radical by David Platt, and then in that book, David Platt reminded me that God does not ultimately bless us for our own sake, but instead he blesses us so that we may extend his grace and compassion to the nations for his glory. So a few months ago, I was given the opportunity to sign up for the China mission trip with other members of CLC and the His Foundation. And I knew this trip would look a little bit different. Um, it was illegal to share the gospel unless prompted in China. Uh, and thus, it would just be, look quite different from other mission trips I had attended before. So instead, the task would be to um, be the hands and feet of God through assembling and distributing wheelchairs to the disabled in China. So after much prayer and thought, I ultimately decided to obey Christ's call to go on this short-term missions trip in China, trusting that he will use me and my team members, fellow team members, in a meaningful way, however incrementally. And overall, the trip was greatly encouraging for my faith. Um, I was able to see how God used us to extend his love through Alice's comfort, Han's prayers, and Kevin's ability to fix anything mechanical. And I, I do trust that God uses our um, acts of service as a great encouragement to those that we served. But we were also greatly encouraged by the faith of the Christians that we met in China. During our trip, we had a chance to deliver some of our assembled wheelchairs to recipients in their home. And as we entered one certain home of a disabled man, we noticed that there was a poster of a cross next to the words, follow Jesus with all of your heart. And this man proved to have a supernatural joy and hope that differed greatly from a lot of the other recipients. Um, though he suffered greatly from his disability, he demonstrated a faith that showed Jesus to be more than enough for the weak and the poor. And as Christians, I think that we often overestimate what we can do without God, and we underestimate the good that we can do with God. And I do believe that when we obey God's call for us to extend his glory out of joy and excitement, he will also bless us in the process. And I want to show you a video of our home visit.
第一年在在你计划里揣回来，他才放开，他自己叫那个，他自己做，这样子。他自己做的。哦，自己做的。很厉害呀。哎，对了，你往前走走。往后面走。往后倒的，往前走。对对对对对。他自己在用过。哎，小心啦！小心，往后走了。哎，慢点，哎，对。慢点，慢点，慢点。非常老练。哎，对。Can we give Johnny a hand for sharing? Thanks, Johnny. Um, Doug, can we go with the, the last slide? I, I didn't want to leave you guys with like uh, this hopefully um, clear call to go um, and then have you not feel like you have steps to do or things to work on or, or some sort of progression forward. And so uh, we, we, we came up with this. This is actually with the help of the missions team. And um, there, there are four things that we could do, okay? I want you guys to repeat um, after me. First one is pray. Second one would be go. Third one would be befriend. And the fourth one would be uh, read or watch. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to try to kind of walk through this, uh, explain why these are four practical action shifts. But let me first say, John Piper has this awesome quote, and it goes like this, go, send, or disobey. You guys have heard that quote. Go, send, or disobey. In, in light of the magnitude of the Great Commission, these are the last words of Christ. It's very clear. Our, our only natural response is either to go, send, or disobey. But I want to make this point. I want to make this point that it's very hard to be a sender. It is very hard to be a sender. Why? Because in, in, in America, in the Bay Area, this is life. And you don't see the, the, the people who, well, you do see the people who are lost, but you don't see the, the need, the desperation, the brokenness, the openness. You don't see the poverty. You don't see those things. And so here's the thing. In order to be a really good sender, we have to go. That's one of the conclusions that I've, that I've realized. If you are really going to be a great sender, you have to go yourself. Because when you go, you see the people. Just like Johnny was seeing the people and showing us the people. You talk to them. You, hear, you see the faces. You hear the story. Your heart gets broken. You come back. And you're not the same. When you're sending and you're praying, you're thinking of faces and stories and names. Suddenly, the cause becomes personal. We got to go. We've got to go there ourselves. What we don't want to do is just send a check with no heart. And it's so easy to do that. We don't want to send a check with no prayer. We send a check, but there's no relational ties. We really don't care all that much. That is empty sending. And it's so easy to do that. If we're going to be senders then we got to be actively engaged in the mission. Actively engaged in the mission, as if we were there ourselves, and our contribution is so vital and so necessary. 
I, I did ask our admin team. I, I asked them to, to do some numbers and some research. I asked them, in the past 10 years, how many people from our church have gone on a missions trip? Now, the reason why I asked that is because you, if you guys have been on a missions trip, you know that the first time you go is the time that you probably grow the most. New context, new experience, new conversations. You come back and you feel like your eyes are opened. There's really nothing like the first time you go. And so we want to ask the question, how many people from our church are going, even for the first time? So I asked our admin staff, of all people in our church, and we have 171 active adults, how many people have gone on a short-term missions trip? You know what they told me? They told me that one out of every three people in our church have gone. One out of every three. Now, I don't know how you guys receive those numbers, but I actually feel like, hey, that's pretty good, you know? <laughs> that is pretty good. I mean, there was a sense of like, I don't know, pride, but I, I'm just really happy about that. That's not bad, right? But here's another statistic. Of our 171 in the last 10 years, how many of us have sent out a long-term missionary that came from our community? I don't know if, if Jim Yu fits that, if he's within the 10 years. If not Jim Yu, then I think the answer would be zero. So on the one hand, I think we have reasons to feel real good. God's working in us. God's motivating people to go. But on the other hand, I think there's still room to grow. What if in the next five years, three years, we can send someone from CLC, the community, to go and be a long-term missionary? What if? What if? That, that could be a really cool goal. What if we raise the number of short-term missionaries from one out of every three to two out of every three? Two out of every three who have never gone, but now they're going. Who haven't had their hearts broken by being there, but now they're there getting their hearts broken. And maybe they're called to be senders, but they will go back with that vision of sending because God has called us to go and make disciples of all nations. Go on a short-term missions trip. What I'm looking for here today is maybe a commitment to go within the next two years. Now, let me talk to the college students just quickly, okay? I know that some IV students are away at a conference. We have some AACF, some other college students here. Let me just be very direct. Sometimes you go, you know, later on when I'm more established in my career, then I'll go. There's a problem with that, though. One problem is that you guys are, have a flexible schedule now. It's going to get really complex and really convoluted later on. Look at the rest of us and you'll see that, you know? It's harder to go later. And plus, way leads unto way. And sometimes career and ambition, they, they kind of choke that drive to go on that mission. And now it's all about building your career and being established. And then you get family, maybe. And maybe you get, you maybe get married. And it's going to be harder later on. But now you have that flexibility. Why not cultivate the heart now? so that the career can orient around the mission as opposed to the other way around. Just something for you guys to think about, right? Something for you guys to think about. Now, for the rest of us, prayer. Uh, I, I gave a couple of recommendations. You guys might want to write that down. That's a website where you can find out news about unreached people groups, and that's free. The other one costs something, but the other one is very thorough. Pray for the world. So pray Go on a short-term missions trip. I want to talk about befriending. Can you guys wave hi to Colin over there? He's one of our missionaries that we support. And I would have to say that one of the coolest things about this global endeavor is actually befriending the missionaries. 
You know, uh, uh, Pastor Jonathan is going with us to TJ. Eric Venable, uh, Dr. Peter Wong. I mean, Pastor Aaron. That's been so much fun getting to know those guys. And what is happening when we care about those guys is that the cause is now suddenly getting personal. It's a name. It's a person. It's a faith. It's a face. And there's real needs that are attached. Man, we need as many resources as we can to be as close to the mission as possible. Befriending a missionary is a one really good and sure way. So how about just take, every, let's all take the calling out to lunch. We'll rotate every Sunday. We'll just take them out to lunch. There's other people that we can befriend. Better to even befriend them as a home group because then there's accountability and celebrated in community. Skype them, over, uh, Skype them over home group time. Get prayer requests. Pray for them. Make a care package for them. There's endless possibilities, but befriend a missionary is a great way to go. And then lastly, lastly, um, here are some resources. These are two of the best books that I have read that are about missions. They're in a biography form. Um, Brother Yoon, The Heavenly Man. Oh, that is such an inspiring book. Chasing the Dragon is also a really good book as well. Um, I don't have time to really tell you the short story behind this, but it's a compelling read. And lastly, the Yembi Yembi video. Raina told me about that when she went to TJ. I like cried throughout the whole thing. It was so powerful. That, that video is a really good one to watch. I'm going to leave you guys with a question. Is our mission, our global mission, to go and make disciples of all nations, is that something that we can put on the side? Or is that something that we have to actually embrace as the center? Is going to all the nations something that we can just make a hobby? Or is it something that we must make a lifestyle? Just a question. I want you guys to think about this because next week we're going to hit it again. And believe it or not, it's going to be even more compelling from chapter 7. It wrecked me and maybe will wreck you. Is this something that we can just outsource? Let's just pay other people to do it, you know. <laughs> Let's just outsource it. It's so much time and effort. We don't have time. Just get other people to do it. Or is this something that we must say, this is our mission. This is our priority. Maybe we need this so desperately because it's supposed to give us joy and excitement and mission and purpose. Maybe it's going to be really, really good for us. I actually think it will be. But let's just ask the question, Lord, is this on the side or is this the very center? You guys stand up. Let's pray. Lord God, if um, extending your glory to the entire world is at the very center of your heart, then I do pray, Lord, that we would make it the very center of ours as well. In order to reach this goal and really put it in there, Lord, you're going to do something amazing in our hearts. You're going to have to wreck us. You're going to have to ruin us and remake us. But if that's what you want to do to make us on track and become the people you want us to be, then we're willing to do it. Please be clear. Please continue to mold and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.